God, we believe in the name of Jesus in this place. God, we ask tonight that, that we would see power in your name. God, that we would understand what Jesus' name means not only to us in this room, but God means to our culture and to our world. God, that there is power in his name. And God, I, I pray that in this room tonight, that we would get something stirred up inside of us. That we would walk out of here not only different than when we walked in here, God, but the world around us would see us differently. And it's not because of who we are, how cool we are, how fancy we dress, but God, it's because we serve a God named Jesus who has radically changed everything. God, thank you for these young people. Thank you for students that travel all over our city to be in this room on Wednesday nights. God, thank you for bringing him here, they're here safely. And God, I just pray tonight would be a night that they would never forget. That God, they, they would understand who you are and the way you're working in their life. And God, they would understand that the importance of you. God, and we pray in that powerful name, amen. You all can find a seat quickly. As you make your way back to your seats, if you could for a second, let's just give it up for our band one time in here tonight. Come on. Man, I don't even need to get up here. We'll just go to church with the band every night. This is awesome. I think that we could do a little bit better for our band in here tonight, okay? Can we give it up for our band? Come on. Come on, Jay. Man, they work their butts off every single week to prepare for tonight. And it's just been incredible. I got to speak with them quickly before, before they perform, went on stage tonight. And I just reminded them, and I hope that you are all reminded, as you sing worship songs, you're not singing for the person next to you. They're not singing for all of you to hear them and to see how cool they are. No, 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 that we all, when we worship God, we sing for an audience of one, and that's Jesus. Because we believe that the name of Jesus, that the person of Jesus, and the work of Jesus deserves our praise. So that, I want you to understand that tonight. Tonight, we are going to jump into the last part of our series. But before we do that, I looked at my notes and I forgot something. So before we jump in, I want to talk a little bit about where we're going next week. So tonight, we're going to talk about the T part of spiritually fit. So obviously, we're going to end with the T. And next week, uh, there's going to be a slide that comes on the screen and it we're starting a brand new series called Real Love as we go into Valentine's Day. You're like, come on, man, real love. Like you sang tonight and you loved and you were hyped about it, so you need to be hyped about the series next week. But I'll be very honest with you. Man, it's a tough crowd in here tonight. But with that, I'm more excited, not because of the series name, but I'm more excited for the two humans that are going to be teaching us over the next two weeks, and that is Seth and Erica Phipps. <laughs> so you're going to want to come back and to hear all about real love from a real couple. I didn't have another R, so I stopped there. But that's where we're going next week. 
but as we jump in tonight, I, I realize that some of you, you're visiting tonight for the very first time, that a friend brought you or somebody brought you, and I just want you to say, well, I want to say welcome, and I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, if that's you, if you're a visitor tonight, when we're done here, when all of it's over in this crazy room, and everyone starts to exit, if there's a visitor center out there in the lobby that I would love for you to stop by, we just want to talk with you, figure out how and why you got here. Maybe a friend brought you, maybe you just saw a huge light up sign that said church on the outside, and you're like, I need to go in there. I don't know how you got here. But I would love to hear a little bit more about you and your story. So if you would, if you're visiting, stop by that visitor center. we got some people in there that want to meet you and get to know you a little bit and figure out how we can get you plugged in at this place on Wednesday nights. So where have we been? We have been to the F, which stands for... I said the F that stands for... Fixed eyes. Holy Lord Jesus. F stands for fixed eyes, and what we talked about is if we want to be spiritually fit, we must live our lives fixed eyes on Jesus. See, it's easy at times, I don't know if you remember, but I did an illustration with a spoon and an egg, and that's not what's cool about it, but the illustration was about that a lot of times as humans, we get our eyes fixed on our destination. We get our eyes fixed on the goal of getting into college or getting onto a sports team or playing in the band, and what we do is we fix our eyes on our goal rather than on Jesus, and if we're going to live spiritually fit over the next 12 months and over the rest of our lives, we have to fix our eyes solely on Jesus. That's where we were two weeks ago. And then last week, we spent some time talking about the eye of fit, which stands for? Good. Intentional living. That's a hard one to get out. A lot of syllables. And we talked about we, we can only be spiritually fit if we're going to live our lives intentionally. And this requires Two things of us. The first was intentional purpose, and the second was intentional forgiveness. And remember, when we talked about our intentional purpose, I gave you some practical ways on how you can live out your intentional purpose today without maybe knowing what you're going to do in life, but that you still have purpose. And remember I said, I said our purpose first and foremost is to know and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's your first intentional purpose on earth. And your second one, I said, was to love your neighbor, that each one of us, no matter where you come from, no matter what you do, God says it's your purpose in life to live intentionally by loving your neighbor. And it's easy to love your neighbor when you like them, but it's really hard to love your neighbor when you don't like them. I've thought about this a little bit more, and I wish I would have said it last week, but I have a, not a neighbor, but a roommate, um, and I won't say names, but he's on the stage behind me. And his name starts with an R or a K. I'm not sure which one, either Raquel or Kale. Whatever you go by for him. I'm sorry. I told you I wouldn't do that. And see, I've talked about loving your neighbor. And then that next morning, every morning at 5 a.m., Kale has an alarm that goes off that sounds like, like a fire truck is just coming into our house. And the craziest thing is, never once has Kale woken up at 5 a.m. to turn off the alarm. Every morning I have to go in and I have to be like, Kale! Do you not hear the fire truck in your room? Like what? He's like, huh, no, I didn't hear it. It happens every morning. I'm tired of this. I love you. We got to love our neighbors and our roommates. And the third thing I told us is that we are to honor our parents. Then we talked about forgiveness. And we talked about intentional forgiveness and understanding what Jesus did on the cross was intentional for you and I. That we are forgiven intentionally. That Jesus wants to forgive you intentionally. But then we talked about the flip side of that, or not the flip side, but another part of that, which talked about forgiveness in the sense of that you and I, we need to learn to forgive people around us that offend us and hurt us. 
Because when we don't, when we harbor in our offense, what it does is it creates a trap on our lives. It doesn't affect them, it affects us. So if we're going to live spiritually fit, we must, we must forgive. And tonight, we're going to jump into the third part of this series, and it's called Trusted Community. And community might be a big word for people because it was for me. And I just want to give a basic definition. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. And I would encourage you in this place to take notes. Community simply means this. A feeling of fellowship with, with another as a result of sharing common attitude, interest, and goals. I want you to just understand these, this little a feeling of fellowship, meaning a feeling of togetherness, sharing common attitude, interests, and goals. I would say that this is a community on Wednesday nights because we share the common interests of Jesus. So that's what this place is about on Wednesday night, that we're going to lift high and glorify the name of Jesus. So I would say that we are a community, but tonight I want to talk to you in the sense of your trusted community. You've probably heard millions of times that the people you surround yourself are who affect you and shape you. Or maybe you've heard that if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And, I, and I, when I chose trusted community, I wanted to do it purposely. See, I could have said trusted friends, and that probably would have hit with some of you a little bit better. You might have understood it a little bit better, but this is why I chose community, because I truly believe with all of my heart that there needs to be people in our trusted community that are not just our friends. Hear that again. There's people that need to be in your trusted community that are not just your friends, okay? You're like, no, no, just me, my best friend, and my boyfriend. No, 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 just me and my best friend. Well, that's cool, but Jesus had 12, so unless you're better than Jesus, I don't know how you just get along with just two people and expect to do life, okay? We are designed by nature to do life in community. We need each other to survive. You're like, literally? Yes. Isolation kills people on purpose. It's in our design. Why do they put people in isolated places when they do wrong things? It's because they understand what the isolation does to them. We are designed to be in community. I want you all to understand that tonight. And as, as we talk tonight, I want you to understand and think about the people that are in your community, the people that are in your friend group, the people that are in your inner circle, whatever you call yourselves. I want you to really, really think about that tonight. And as I've thought about my friends over the years, um, there was a time in my life where I used to be a really, really good snowboarder. And, there's, and if you don't believe me, that's a picture of me. Yeah. That's not Sean White. I heard that back here. That's, that's me. I promise. So I don't tell you up there to brag about me, but I just tell you that I, I really am not lying to you when I said that there was a time in my life that there wasn't a mountain or a trail or anything that I would not go down. Like, I, I, I couldn't go down anything. Legitimately, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just telling you the truth. Snowboarding, I, I was very, very good at it. Very, very good at it. Enough to teach other people how to do it and get paid for it good at it. 
And I tell you this story because there was a day when I was in college and we were on the mountain with a group of my friends. And see, I'm good at going down the trails, okay? Jumping and all this stuff, it's a whole nother talent, okay? It's a whole nother deal. I did it a little bit, but not a lot. So my friend who is like really good at the jumping part of it, he says, dude, let's all throw backflips over this big like 15 or 20 foot roller. Like, great, I'm in. Like, yeah, let's do it. I've never done a backflip in my life before. But you know how it gets, guys. There's like four guys in the group and the three of them, I know they can do backflips and they're all like, yeah, 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 let's do the backflips and we'll do a video. And I'm like, I'm not gonna say, dude, I'm not doing a backflip. I'm gonna go for the backflip, correct? Right, if you're a guy in the room and three other of your friends are saying it, you're gonna do it as well, Okay. If you're lying, if you say, oh, I, would, I wouldn't have done it, you're a liar. So, so we, I, I decide that I'm going to kick it off, okay? I'm going to go first because I wanted to get down first and maybe they wouldn't see what happened on the other side and they didn't. So I come down the mountain pretty fast over this roller and I throw a backflip and I no lie land just far enough where my snowboard catches, the, t- the toe of it catches and slings me backwards onto the snow, splits my helmet in half and I slide unconscious 30 feet down to the hill into a tree. <laughs> to remind you, I went first and nobody saw me. So I slid the entire way with nobody knowing, and they all get down, and they told me afterwards, it's like I'm unconscious, no lie, on the, tra- on the trail. They, they told me afterwards that the three of them landed, and they couldn't really figure out where I had went, and they're like looking everywhere, like, where did he go? And then they saw me against a tree, and I had just started to come to, and they're like, dude, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> they're like, we're not doing it again. That was a good time. One's enough. But friends make us do stupid things. Like really, really stupid things. Erica Phipps can attest to this one. I, I had three, I had three friends in college that are all from the island of the Bahamas. Great place. You should visit the Bahamas. You should go home and tell your parents, hey, the pastor Ryan told me tonight that we should all go to the Bahamas for vacation this year. I'm just kidding, don't say that. But but I had three friends from the Bahamas. And I got to kind of get into character here. And she used to yell, and Erica, so if you don't know, you'll find out in a little bit. Me and Erica were friends in college for a time, and Seth. Uh, so I, I made that sound weird. I didn't mean to make it sound weird. We really were good friends in college. And um, so I had these three friends, and every time I got around them, I, I'm talking about how people make, you, uh, people make you do things and look like the people around us in our circles. And I, when every time I would get through with these three friends that are from the Bahamas, and I don't know if you ever met someone from the Bahamas, but I, could, I would talk like them, and I'd be like, yeah, buddy, what's going on there? Everything cool, eh, soldier? What's going on then? <laughs> Seriously, what's going on then, buddy? I get in the car, I come over and get you. What you mean, bro? I come get you. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> buddy. No, buddy, I come get you. What's going on then, soldier? <laughs> That's how they talk. That's legitimate. And I would, and I would do that. Okay, and Erica would yell at me and she'd be like, you're not from the Bahamas. Like, don't speak like that. Be like, I want to be though, it's cool. Yeah, buddy, everything cool, eh? Yeah, buddy. But we, but we do things that look like our friends at times, even without noticing it. I would do that, I would talk like that without even knowing it. Like, I would just, that's how I spoke for a long time. And I thought I was really cool, but obviously I wasn't. So we do things that look like our friends. And I want to take a few moments tonight and look at what the Bible says about friends and about community and about our trusted community. And I want to start by talking about a bad community. 
And I just want to read one verse, and it's 1 Corinthians 15, 33. And if you're taking notes tonight, I would encourage you to write down the, the verse references. So 1 Corinthians 15, 33, and then you can go back and read it and highlight in your Bible and do all that fun stuff later. Um, so 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. The Bible is saying this. Do not be misled. This guy that, he, that he's talking to here, he, they all thought that they could just hang out with whoever they wanted. They just thought they could do whatever they wanted, that they're not going to fall into the traps of their friends and the people around them. They could just live their life separately but be in the same friends group. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. All that good character your parents have spent hours and hours sending you to your room and teaching in you, your friends can corrupt that. Bad company corrupts that. It's obvious that our bad friends, I don't even know what I mean by bad friends, but anyway, help us make the bad decisions. Let's talk about good community. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Talking about that two are better than one, that it's better to go in a pair than it is to go by yourself. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I, I love that verse because it gives this illustration about iron sharpening and that the only way you can sharpen the other piece of iron is by moving them together in, in, in a fashion like this, I'm guessing, I didn't really look this up, but I'm guessing you go like this and somehow, and what happens is the iron, both of them get sharper at the same time. And the Bible's saying this, and, he's, and it's saying that you and I, that is our job to do with one another. That it's our job to sharpen the other people around us in our life. Are you someone that's doing that? Do you have people in your life that are doing that and helping you do that for you? Or are your friends corrupting your good character? 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Therefore, encourage one another. A good friend, a trusted community, this is what they do. They encourage one another and build each other up. This is a hard one for me. I'm very sarcastic. I like to make fun of people. It's my safe zone. I don't know why I go there. I just go there because I feel comfortable when I do it. You're like nodding, I have some of you nodding your head. Don't, don't reaffirm this, okay? I don't like that. I'm working on it, I promise. Encourage one another. I had this thought yesterday, and I debated about saying it. I think this is a picture of what the church should look like. Encouraging one another, building each other up. But a lot of times when the world looks at the church, big C church, global church, they don't see the picture of us building each other up. A lot of times they see the picture of churches tearing each other down. And that's not the picture of the church that the Bible gives us. And I don't want that to be the picture of what this room is. I don't want this to be a room that's divided. I don't want this to be a room that tears each other down. I want this to be a room that it, that it shows that we're building each other up, that we're walking and we're taking steps in our faith towards God. And the last one, it says, Matthew 18, verse 20 says, For, I, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. When two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, he says, there I am with them. So when we gather in this place, I want you to understand, that's why I was fired up about the powerful name of Jesus in that song. 
Because when we gather like this in this place, the Bible tells us that Jesus meets with us in this place at this moment. He's here with you and I. All of these things show the emphasis that the scriptures put on having a strong, healthy, and trusted community to live life with. And what I could do tonight is I could cutely break down the scripture and I could give you really good rhyming and phrasing words together and make it seem really, really cute about friendship and community and all of these different things. But I wanted to take the opportunity tonight to look at some of my trusted community with you and understand the way that the people that I trust in my life and in my community, the way they impact me, the way the role that they play in my life. And my goal tonight is not for you to look at my glimpse of it. There's a lot, it's big and it has to be big. Because I got a lot of issues, but no, I'm just kidding. But I want you to get a glimpse tonight, and I don't want you to think to yourself, man, I need to have Kale, or man, I need to have Seth. No, no, no. I want, the purpose tonight is for you to look a little bit as I walk through some of these different people very practically, and the role that they play in my life, that you would begin to look at your life and at your circle and say, who are the people that are playing these roles in my life? Maybe you need to get some of these people on your board. Maybe you need to get some people on your team. Maybe you need to change some of your friends. Maybe some got to go and some got to stay. And you're like, that's hard. But I promise you it's worth it. So, so that's the goal tonight. And I'll start by talking about Evan. You all know Evan Holbrook, who's our junior high pastor. The thing that Evan plays an incredible role in my life. See, I've known Evan for the moment I walked on campus here as an intern about five years ago, worked for Evan for a long time, and he has just played an incredible role in my life. And I tried to write down words to describe these people behind me, and I wrote down two things for Evan. He's an encourager to me, and he's a challenger in the sense that he challenges me to do stuff. Evan is always on my team no matter what happens. He's always on my team, even if I feel like I get cut from the team. If I feel like I'm no longer worthy to be on the team, Evan's always on my team. Evan lifts me up when I don't want to be lifted up, truly. Evan's like, dude, you're doing great. I'm like, dude, that is horrible. Like, just tell me it's horrible. Like, don't quit telling me that it's good. But that's not in him. He just, he's like, dude, you're awesome. You're really, really good. You're, you're incredible. God's using you. Like over and over again, and sometimes I just go in my door and I just shut it, and like, Evan, please don't come in and encourage me. It's not the time. <laughs> but he does, and I love it. But, here, but I want you to understand the practical side of this. So I have Evan in my circle and in my trusted community, and Evan is someone that encourages me and challenges me and helps me to become better on a daily basis. But the problem is, if all of these people up here were Evan, it would create so much pride in my life. Like, it would be, like, horrible. If I had only had people at all times in my life telling me, you're awesome, you're so good, you're the best, it would create pride in my life. And I think our social media does that at times. See, I think that our social media just builds us up all the time. You're like, social media tears me down, and you need to get a new one. But, but a lot of times it builds me up, and I, get all, I try to get all these likes on my stuff, and what it does is it creates this pride inside of me that leads to my destruction. So Evan is my encourager and my challenger. He's needed in my community. If I didn't have Evan, I would feel like I'm the worst human being at all times. Like I'm no good at anything, because that's what the rest of them tell me. I'm just kidding. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Evan, you know Seth Phipps, right? Everyone knows Seth Phipps? Seth, Seth only got one word, and, and I don't know why. I love you more, I guess, Evan. I'm not sure. But Seth got one word, and this is the only word I could figure out how to describe Seth, and I wrote down pace setter. I don't know if you know what the pace setter is, but, but as I... Do you not like that? Oh, pace setter. As I think about a pace setter, I think about, have you ever watched like the Tour de France or, or any of those like people that cycle all the time and they have a team and there's somebody that's out ahead like Lance Armstrong, that's who I'm going to talk about because that's the only cyclist that I've ever known, even though he's a cheater, but I forgive you, Lance. We love Lance. But, but what happens is when he does the Tour de France, you see Lance is really in the middle of the pack and there's somebody out ahead setting the pace. There's somebody out ahead of him telling him how fast to go, when he can go faster, when he can go slower. And Lance's job is not to be the person that sets the pace. Lance's job is to be the person that stays the pace. And for me, Seth is my pace setter. I have worked for the same amount of time with Seth, four and a half, five years, I don't even know how long I've worked here. But I've worked the same amount of time. And you know how many times I have tried and tried and tried to beat Seth to work? Like it does not happen. Like he showed like, I'll get in here at like 7.45 sometimes and I'm like, I'll pull in my parking lot, yes, I got him today. I, like I beat Seth today. He's already upstairs like praying and stuff. I'm like, dude, come on, man. I shouldn't have stopped for that kolache. But seriously, he's the pace setter. He keeps me going. He's always out ahead of me. And he encourages me to do more than I ever think that I'm capable. That's the other part of the pace setter. The pace setter gets out ahead and he says, hey, you can go faster. You can do more. You can run farther. He's like the annoying guy that's already finished his workout, but then comes back to run the last like 400 with you. And he's running next to you as you're dying of the workout. He's jogging next to you like, hey, you can do it. Go for it. Yeah. Like, no, like you already finished. Just stop. Let me agonize in pain. <laughs> Seth, man. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Erica Phipps. Y'all know Erica Phipps, right? <laughs> Dang, she whooped y'all in the cheer, no lie. <laughs> like I said earlier, me and Erica were really good friends in, in, in college and, and are now as well. And as Seth, it's just been awesome to get to know them in their relationship and their marriage and, and, and learn to really live life with them. Um, and I, I would say this privately and I would say it publicly, I think that you two are such an incredible picture for me and Bailey as we walk into marriage, just seeing you people and how you are married. I think that the picture of you guys in marriage is just an incredible one. So thank you for setting that for us, but that's not where I'm going tonight. Erica, I wrote down that she's grounded and she's real. She keeps, she's grounded and she's real. She's a part of my circle because I need people in my life that are grounded in truth. I need people to understand like that when I'm out here in fantasy land, like, hey, let's bring in like, I, like let's bring Drake in to play it live. Like, she's like, not going to happen, okay? <laughs> like, nah, that's not good. Like, she's grounded in the truth. And it's so important for us to have people in our lives. I think of another person that's like this in my life, and it's my dad. My dad's a part of my trust in my community. Why? Because he's grounded and he knows he's walked through life a little bit. And when I get crazy, like, like Dad, I'm not, I'm not sure about this whole marriage thing. And not that this is an example, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but, but he's the one that says, hey, why did you walk into this? Because I love her. 
So that's why you're doing it. He's grounded. Erica is grounded. And, and the second part about it is that she's real. She keeps it real 100 all the time. If you say something that's crazy, she's like, that's dumb, okay? Come back to reality because that doesn't make sense there, okay? In the nicest way possible, for real. Plays a huge role. If I didn't have people like that in my life, I would be out in fantasy land at all times of the day. All times of the day. Kale. All right, I gotta go. I'm running. I got. All right, all right, all right. Hold the applause. I gotta go. I got, I'm running out of time. Kale. I wrote down dreamer. You didn't like that one? I gotta go. Stop, Kale. He's a dreamer. He's someone that always wants to go better and bigger and faster and stronger. No lie, one time Kale came to work out with me at the gym, at, at a CrossFit gym, and he had never probably been there. I don't think he'd ever been to any gym before, never mind a CrossFit gym. And I'm not making fun of you. I'm not. I'm not. That's real life. Like, I'm not making fun of you. I'm being dead serious. And like we're doing the warm-up, and Kale like loads the bar with like 350. I'm like, Kale, this is the warm-up, dude. Like, what are you doing? He couldn't even like pick it off the ground, but he's like, as he's, you know, can't he just like jumping around energetic and stuff? Like, like Kale, like be realistic for a second. Like, you're not doing this. You're not gonna clean 350. Like, not gonna happen. He's like, bro, I'm gonna get this right now. First day at the gym, all the time. Like, you're not getting that. Like, but he's a dreamer and he's and, and he goes for it. And the best part about him in my community is that when I come home or, or when I talk to him and I say, Kale, I got this really crazy dream. I really want to go for something. He's like, dude, do it. Go for it. Yes, yeah, do it. Yes, it's going to be awesome. I'll do it with you. I'll ride alongside of you. Like, like, let's do it. You know how crazy he is? He literally drives eight hours to go see his girlfriend. Like, like bro, that's crazy. But he goes for it. He's dreaming. You're going to put a ring on it. Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Kale. I only did that with Kale because I know I can. Uh, the other three will get mad, but Kale will be like, man, I'm like, whatever, turn your alarm off. <laughs> and then the last person is my fiance, Bailey. <laughs> good, good, they did a good cheer. I was going to make them do it again, if not. I need to go. Okay, I wrote down my safe place and my balancer. My safe place and my balancer. She's my go-to, my safe place, the one whom my soul loves. She's incredible. She knows if I'm having a good day or a bad day before I ever say anything. And here's the reason why. Because she's invested in my life for a sense of my gain. I think a lot of times in our friends and our people in our communities, they invest in our lives for how they can gain. I do it at times. I'll invest in people's lives like I want to be your friend. And I think at times what I do is I invest so much so that I can get ahead, so I can do more, so I can meet better people, so I can move up the ladder, whatever that ladder is. But no, the incredible thing about her is she's invested in my life, not so that she gets better, so that I get better. And it's so important to have in our community. You need to get people around you that are investing in you, taking time to be with you, not so that they can get better, but so that you can walk better. You need people to listen and understand and encourage. She's my biggest cheerleader. She's the best critic as well. She cheers me on and she says, you didn't hit a home run, but you hit a double and it was all right. 
And the best thing that she does on top of all this, not the best thing, what another thing she does is she balances me out. She tells me when it's time to slow down. She tells me when I need to rest. She tells me, hey, you've been working a lot. Maybe you need to get a break for a second. Hey, you, she balances me out. And you need to find people in your life that balance you out. Because if not, if you just go all out and all the time, you're going to run out of gas eventually. But you need people to bring you back down and be like, hey, hey, hey slow down for a minute. Let's just, let's just take a day and chill. You need people to do that in your life. You need people to do that in your life. And, and truly, this is my trusted community. These are the people that I have trusted to be inside of my circle. And like I said earlier, I don't want you to look at them and the roles and the impacts that they play in my life. And I want you to look at them and be like, oh, I need Bailey then, or I need Seth. No, 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 no. You don't need Bailey and Seth. You have people in your life already that want to be these roles. You just need to figure out and navigate who those people are. And the problem is we got to get some of the other people out of the way, the people that are tearing us down, that are getting in the way. You need to get them out of the way so that the people that you need in your life can step up and say, hey, I'm here. I'm not here for what you can do for me. I'm here for what I can do for you, for how I can help you. You need someone that's going to encourage you even when you're not good. You need someone that's going to balance you out. You need someone that's going to keep you grounded in the truth of God's word. It's going to be real and say, hey, you're walking and it's not really true. You need somebody that's going to get out in front of you and set the pace. You need someone that's going to challenge you to run faster when you don't think you can run anymore. You need someone to dream with you. Say, hey, I want to change the world for Christ. I do. And I need people in my life that say, hey, you can do it. Our communities around us play a huge role in our life. But what happens is a lot of times we get the wrong people into our circles, into our lives, and what happens is we begin to tear each other down rather than do the purpose of the church, rather than do the purpose of the community and build each other up. Trusted community. I want to read one more verse because I love the way that this verse lays this out. And it says, it's John 15, 13. It says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I love the verbiage here that, that, that God uses, that Jesus uses. To lay down one's life for one's friends. This verse is directly talking about the Jesus dying on a cross and being resurrected on the third day. And I want you to know that Jesus did this to be inside of your trusted community. He understood that there was something that was in the way, that something was separating Jesus from being in your trusted community, that he was standing on the outside because you had a, something in the way that was messing it up. And he wants to be inside of it. He wants to be a part of it. He wants to be the focus of it. And he says, no greater love or greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus is saying that the greatest example of friendship, the greatest example of friendship that you and I need in our lives is a relationship with Jesus and understanding and knowing the love of Jesus and the impact that it has in our life and the way it changes us. So maybe you've heard a lot about friends and you've heard a lot about community and you've heard all this stuff. I want you to hear this clearly. Jesus wants to be in your trusted community and all you have to do is ask. If everyone would bow your head with no one looking around.